Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? Now, just tell me how you're doing. I'll ask, I'll ask God who's omniscient and everywhere to let me hear you. But you can know you can call in and let me know that if, if we can encourage one another in each way, in any way, that'll be just great. I think my voice is still a little hoarse. <clears throat> these things that, these viruses that are going around, that always go around, they just, Stay and stay and stay, but I'm doing fine, and I pray that you are doing well. It's so good to be with you on this Feast of John Bosco. What a beautiful saint. In fact, um, I watched the the film, I think with Ben Cross. Uh, there's another film done of John Bosco, which Ignatius has put out, that is really wonderful. Um, the one I watched, the first one I watched, um, is... I don't know which one is my favorite, but it's it's so wonderful. Um, and I I was looking for the the real life of Catholics, the fruit of being Catholic. And I had met my pastor was an ex Catholic, and half the congregation called themselves ex Catholics. As I was an evangelical Protestant trying to save Catholics, I hadn't met Catholics who knew their faith. I met Catholics who went to church on Sunday and lived during the week as if there was no God, all of that. And I was hungry to find the fruit of Catholicism because I was reading it and it seemed like there might be truth there. It might be the church Christ established, but oh my goodness, the people, how could... ah? And then I watched John Bosco and I, my heart melted, absolutely melted. It's such a beautiful life he had. And a beautiful film, one of my favorites. Um, truly beautiful, and his mother indeed also was a saint. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I don't think she's been canonized, but probably she should be. Um, we are at Friday, um, the close of the weekday, um, and Friday is always a day of um, uh, sacrifice. Always, 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 always. And the norm uh, is for abstinence from meat, uh, in honor of the Lamb of God who died for us. And if for some reason we cannot abstain from meat, or we never eat meat because we're a vegetarian or whatever other reason, we must make another sacrifice. Not one of us is excused from sacrifice on Friday. And people say, well, shouldn't it be the choice of my heart? It absolutely should be. So should Sunday be. We talk about Sunday obligation. When I came into the church having been an evangelical Protestant for 18 years, and then I heard, did you meet your Sunday obligation? I said, what's that? Going to church. I said, but of course I went to Mass. What's that? Obligation? Don't you want to go? I couldn't believe it. Same thing with Friday. <clears throat> if if it's an obligation, uh, it's because um, the same reason that little children may not want to go to Mass, but the parents make them go 
because it's not an option. And so as they grow older, hopefully, and they grow deeper in love with God, they want to go to Mass. Same thing um, with with the Friday sacrifice. It was never uh, given up, um, never changed. Only the option was given that if you cannot give up meat, you can you can have another sacrifice. Uh, give up, but give up something that is important to you, <clears throat> so that it's a sacrifice. Um, and and it, we we are not excused from that. That is uh, that's a command. It's an absolute, and we must do it. And it's so grievous to me that I meet so many Catholics that think after Vatican II because they've um, given the choice of meat, that the sacrifice uh, is not obligatory anymore. It's so sad for me um, that Catholics live on obligation rather than love many times, not always, of course. You know, the sacrifice is mandatory for Friday, and it is meat as the norm. But again, if you cannot have meat um, as a sacrifice, then choose something else. Um, if you're young, if you're elderly, you're excused from that. <clears throat> young, I think the church's rule under 14 and uh, elderly over 59. And I tell you what, uh, I, I wish that wouldn't be there either, in a sense, because 14 is is really old and 59 is really young um, to be excused from these things, and I, I think I told you before when I grew up in my Jewish home and we fasted on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement every year, all we had, if we had to, if we absolutely had to, we could drink water. There was no one full meal and two little snacks. There was nothing like that. That's not fasting. We never ate a thing for 24 hours, and again, only water if we had to take medicine or we, we absolutely needed it. It didn't matter the age. And when I was really young, my mom would say, you, you know, don't worry about it. You know, it's not for you. I said, Mom, what do you mean it's not for me? I want to. I'm Jewish. I want to fast. I want to do that. Don't take that from me. I wanted to. I wanted to be part of God's people. I wanted to be part of all that. I was old enough to understand it and desire it. I was old enough to do it. So... That's what you get from me, because it's Friday. So there. (laughs) But I have a a real small announcement. That as of Monday, uh, we will have, we normally have two breaks in the hour. I think they're two-minute breaks. Normally, within an hour program, uh, it's a 55-minute program, really. I'm giving you technical stuff now. Um, But normally, we have three breaks. And... um, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm wrong. Normally we have two breaks and we have a 55-minute program. Starting Monday, we're going to have three short breaks and the program is going to go for two minutes longer, so it'll be 57 minutes. So we won't lose any time at all. We'll have three short breaks and then it'll go two minutes longer. So um, now you know all the technical stuff and that'll begin Monday. <clears throat> so... We are going to continue in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and I know people have been asking me um, still the Catechism we're using. Let me try to show it to you. I have a hardcover copy. The soft cover is less expensive, and it is the Catechism of the Catholic Church, 
it is an exhaustive explanation of the Catholic faith, and on the bottom it says a practical, and it certainly is as we're reading through it, I'm reading through it with you for the first time, a practical manual for use of the preacher, the catechist, the teacher, and the family, Spirago Clark. It is, I'm finding it wonderful, and as I've said before, Papa's parents, moms, sit down with your children in the evening, take 15 minutes, and read a point together and discuss it and maybe pray a rosary or at least a decade and pray before you go to bed. It's a wonderful, or whatever time is best, maybe after dinner, right right, uh, right after dinner, whatever works for you and your family. It's truly wonderful. And again, you don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be knowledgeable. You don't have to be a teacher. It has the main points uh, in bold letters, it has the general um, breakout, the general explanation of those points in unbold letters. And then the teaching is in a little smaller type. It's still big enough for me to see, so it's big enough. Um, and it teaches it it's, and gives illustrations. It's wonderful. It's, I, I'm, I'm so thrilled with this. It is the Council of Trent. And this book was recommended by... Um, Father uh, Chad Ripiger, so I trust whatever he recommends. And it's truly, truly wonderful. Um, you can read through a card catechism. That's just fine. And it, it certainly uh, explains the faith as well. Uh, this, I, I've just not found anything comparable to it. I think it's wonderful. So we are in the first section on faith. We are in the third part of the first section, which is preaching of the gospel and it's basically two points. And again, I'm not going to go over, I'm not going to reread what we had the day before, except to summarize. And this is two points. First, the truths revealed by God to men were by God's command proclaimed to all nations of the earth by the Catholic Church and especially by means of the living word that is by preaching. And the second point we're on today is the Catholic Church derives from Holy Scripture and from tradition, with a capital T, not the tradition of men that our Lord condemned, but the tradition of God, which the Holy Spirit will keep till the end of time as he does the written word. The Catholic Church derives from Holy Scripture and from tradition, the truths that God has revealed. And it goes on to say that Holy Scripture and tradition are of equal authority. That's amazing, you would say, equal authority. But um, they're both from the Holy Spirit. So why would one be more important than the other? They're of equal authority. And claim from us equal respect. Okay, The faith, I'm going to try to pin my little light down here. The faith, once delivered to the saints. Again, revelation ceased with the last apostle. There's a development of doctrine. That is, uh, the doctrine once for all given um, by the death of the last apostle, but there's no new revelation. Um, Any private revelation that's come down to us through the centuries, um, If the church has approved it, uh, that means it's worthy of our belief, and it does not contradict anything of the faith given to us. 
Absolutely not. It cannot be new. Holy scripture and tradition are of equal authority and claim from us equal respect. Holy scripture is the written, uh, uh, is the written tradition, the unwritten word of God. St. Paul, this is what I, I um, uh, quoted yesterday from scripture. St. Paul exhorts the faithful to hold fast the traditions they have received, whether it be by word of mouth or by writing. And when St. Paul wrote that to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 15, when St. Paul wrote that to the Thessalonians, of course, uh, he didn't know he was writing scripture. Uh, God was writing the New Testament through him, pretty much. The whole New Testament outside of the Gospels, 13 letters Paul wrote, maybe 14 if you include Hebrews. Um, And he didn't know it was scripture, because the canon of scripture was not yet put together, but God spoke through Paul, and Paul was the human instrument to write down the very word of God. Um, And the Holy Spirit spoke through men, Peter wrote, um, and so it's the same Holy Spirit that has given us the word. And so it is to be equally uh, respected and equally kept. That's why when Paul wrote that, whether by word of mouth or writing, the word of mouth was his uh, as an apostle of Christ, as a messenger of God, and um, the written uh, word he was speaking about was strictly the Old Testament. There was no New Testament. So what was the word of mouth? Some of it became scripture, and some of it not. All tradition, all given by God. We're on the fourth section now. Look at that. Holy Scripture and Tradition. This is a great confusion by uh, many uh, Protestants, and it was for us. Holy Scripture and Tradition. When I was an evangelical Protestant, by the way, um, it's not now, but Holy Scripture and Tradition. Holy Scripture, point one. Holy Scripture or the Bible the same thing, Holy Scripture or the Bible. When I was an evangelical, I would see Catholics walk around and it said, Holy Scripture or the Holy Bible. And I'd say, what is that there for? Holy, it's just the Bible. But it's holy. What is holy is set apart. And it's from God. That is what's holy, uh, like us. Um, so Holy Scripture or the Bible, either way you want to say it, consists of 72 books which were written by men inspired by God. Now, um, this is, oh, I, I, I have to look up to see the year this was written because we have 73 now. Um, nothing was added since this was written, but some of the books initially that we count, we count now First and Second Samuel as two books, First and Second Kings as two books, but initially... First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, those four were one book, you see, and through the years they've been divided. And so, um, when this was written, there were seventy-two books. We have seventy-three now. The Protestants would say sixty-seven, and the reason they would is because a Martin um, um, uh, Luther. Um, Martin Luther or Luther? Luther in the uh, 16th century 
<clears throat> who was an Augustinian monk. I'm, I'm getting confused with the um, um, uh, our American Martin Luther. Uh, let me just say Luther to be accurate. Um, was an Augustinian monk Catholic, and he left the Catholic Church. He left the papacy. He said the Bible is our only source that we need. It's authoritative. Everybody can interpret it on their own. He threw out seven plus books of the Old Testament single-handedly after 1,500 years. One man discarded seven plus books of the Old Testament, plus or parts of Daniel and Esther. Um, he, He threw them out. He simply threw them out. And he threw out James, the book of James. He called it an epistle of straw because James said faith without works is dead. And Martin Luther said it's just um, it's just faith. It's not faith and works. You can't be saved by your works. That's true. Catholic Church teaches you cannot be saved by your works, but you cannot be saved without them. It is faith, Paul wrote to the Galatians, working through love. It is faith and works. He threw that out. He threw out um, uh, other other books. I think Peter, I'm not sure of the New Testament. And people came, his people who followed him came against him and said, you can't throw those out. They're infallible. But he did take out seven books of the Old Testament. And the reason he did that, there's different understandings of this, but one of them is that he looked into the canon of the Jewish people of the Old Testament, and he figured the Jews should know what their canon is. And they didn't have those seven books in their Old Testament, so therefore they're not legitimate, and he took them out of ours. The fact is that the Jewish people um, eliminated those seven books in their canon. Basically, the Protestant canon of the Old Testament is what the Jews have today. The problem is that the Jews omitted any books for which they could not find a Hebrew original. And so they took out seven books that were written basically in Aramaic um, and um, and parts of Daniel and Esther, which were Aramaic, and they just threw them out of the canon. But our Lord in the Septuagint, um, which, from which he quoted in the New Testament when he was on earth, which he had, the entire Old Testament in Greek, had those books in them. And the Catholic Church has never changed the Bible, that canon of Scripture. Never, ever changed uh, from the beginning. And so uh, we have 73 now. And um, if if, uh, you're Protestant and you want to know why you're missing some books, if you were told that Catholics added to the Bible, that's misinformation. Luther took them out. Um, And so uh, you can read many, many books, history books, How We Got the Bible by Henry Graham, uh, go on catholic.com, you'll find excellent resources for that. So, um, these books, all, he says 72, 73 now, um, are recognized by the church as the word of God. Again, 73, not because we added anything, but because some of the books were divided into two. It goes on to say here, the Holy Ghost inspired in a very special way the writers of Holy Scripture. He moved them to write and guided and enlightened them while they were writing. Um, 
oh, I should have these scriptures up. They quoted Second Timothy 3.16, which I'm, I'm going from memory now, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete um, and fit for every good work. I might have a word or two off, but you see, um, it's it's good. As a Protestant, we memorized not the whole Bible, but a lot of it. It's good. Uh, King David wrote in the Psalms, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. If we memorize God's word, we hide it in our hearts, and then we have it to bring up, and it keeps us from sin, and it keeps us, um, brings to mind all kinds of things when we need them. Another verse here, um, uh, he quotes from Matt, uh, Matthew and Mark, I have to look up these verses, but also I think it's Second Peter, Second uh, or First Peter, um, uh, uh, also that all Scripture, no Scripture is of human origin, but all Scripture inspired by God, spoken uh, by God through men who are inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is not of human origin. The Council of Trent and the Vatican Council have expressly declared that God is the author of Holy Scripture. No question about that. It is the Word of God. St. Augustine says, quote, It is as if the Gospels were written down with Christ's own hand. You know how you sometimes you're teaching your children to read and you're you're holding their hand to make an A, you know, and then a B. Well, it's not quite like that, but it is the Word of God. In a sense, the Apostle Paul was the, was the human pen, writing down the inspired Word of God, not overlooking Paul's personality, which is why when you go through the books of Scripture, uh, they're written differently. The grammar is different. The personality is different. Um, the approach is different based on um, based on the personality. God does not, he works through the instrument, but he doesn't override the instrument. But he makes sure that what that instrument of his writes is absolutely accurate. Um, uh, another one here. The writers of Holy Scripture, says St. Lawrence Justinian, were like a musical instrument on which the Holy Spirit played. And yet they were not mere passive instruments. Each writer brings his own personal character with him into what he writes. They are like a number of painters who all paint a building which they see in the clear daylight quite correctly, but yet with a great many points of difference according to their respective talent and skill. Hence, it follows that there are no errors in Scripture. We must not look to the individual words, but to the general sense. We must not take offense at popular expressions which are not scientifically correct, as when the motion of the sun, sunrise, and sunset are alluded to, right? Because the sun doesn't rise. And the sun doesn't set. We say, look, what a beautiful sunset. I love it. But the sun doesn't set. And it doesn't come up again. The earth revolves and the sun revolves. So that's what we see. But from our perspective, it comes up and it goes down. But that's not scientific. And yet it's not false. We're looking at the way it affects us. 
let me see now. Um, Moreover, since the Bible contains the word of God, we must treat it with great reverence. Thus the people always stand up when the gospel is being read at Mass. Oaths are taken on the book of the Gospels. In Mass, the deacon approaches the book of the Gospels with incense and lights. The Council of Trent imposes special penalties on those who mock at Holy Scripture. The Jews had the greatest reverence for the Scriptures and the precepts therein contained. Now, before I go on this, uh, on with this particular explanation of Holy Scripture and tradition um, from this catechism, uh, when he mentioned the Jews and their reverence for Scripture, I want to tell you that when I came into the Catholic Church, before I entered, I was looking into it. Very painful journey for me. (laughs) Excuse me. And you know I came from a Jewish background. Oh dear, that's quite a story that I want to tell you, but perhaps we can go to our our break, and I won't take time away, away from your calls and questions and my hiccups when we come back, so I'll continue this story when we come together on Monday, because it's a beautiful story, and I don't want to shorten it. Um, Call in, beloved, with anything on your heart, toll free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can text at the toll free number as well with anything on your heart. It never needs to be our subject, but what's on your heart. We'll be right back. St. John Bosco said, Walk with your feet on earth, but in your heart be in heaven. By displaying Catholic radio bumper magnets on your cars, you'll be an evangelist for our Lord and His Church. Help create awareness of Catholic radio in your community so that other drivers will find the peace of Christ through listening. To request your free bumper magnets, please visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Promote tab at the top of our homepage. That's thestationofthecross.com, then click Promote. Thank you for your support of Catholic Radio while you travel. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Dominus et et 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back. Beloved to Mother Miriam Live, we have a half hour all to ourselves, and I'm so thrilled to um, to receive your calls, your emails, your text, whatever's on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We're going to take a text from Antonio. <clears throat> Antonio writes, I have had some issues with many actions Within the church today, it seems that there are many people who were once good and are changing. The papacy is faltering. The church and the Eucharist are being desecrated. How do I convince some of my good friends to stick around when they have the idea to convert to Eastern Orthodox or other rites? R-I-T-E-S. They have a point, don't they? No, they do not have a point. I understand what you're saying and what they're thinking, but the fact is you're going to find fallen men, fallen people, wherever you go, wherever you go, and in every single other right. Yes, we are in an awful time in the church. I am not a student of history, except very little that I've read. I'm not a student of history. Um, And I cannot understand that the church in 2,000 years has had any worse crisis than we are in right now. The Arian crisis um, in the 5th century was very, very serious when the church really faltered and many, many bishops uh, believed what was false. But it's a very different picture today. Um, And uh, it, it shocks me also, Antonio, that many good bishops and cardinals are are falling. I, I think of the scripture that says, how the mighty have fallen. It, it's shocking to me. You know, I, I'm shocked when I'm shocked, because I don't think I can still be shocked. But when you he- hear the names of some very good bishops and cardinals who believe what is absolutely an error, and we used to count on them for our faith, for leadership, for guidance, for truth... It is shocking, and it's very discouraging, but we need to pray for them. Um, And we need to be grateful to God that our faith stands. That's it. Uh, The more I hear of uh, this one falling, that one falling, uh, what's going on, the more grateful I am, Lord, why do I still believe? Why do I still love? Why did I ever believe in love to begin with? It's only the grace of God. So we need to be more grateful than ever and more conscious than ever that to whom much is given, much is required. Those who have the faith today and are not afraid to live it are are given much, but they are also, if they're given much, much is required from them. And um, I tell the sisters here that we are the most privileged people on the face of the earth. We have, by God's gift and grace, what the whole world needs. We have what every single soul needs. And if we haven't faltered, um, if we're not afraid to speak it, 
it's the grace of God, and we must not hold back. Apostle Paul said, woe to me if I don't uh, preach the, gospel, the whole gospel of God, because he was given it, and, and he, can, he has no choice uh, but to not preach it. So um, if you want to convince some of your good friends to stick around um, <clears throat> when they want to go to other rites, um, I would say, to, to begin with, if you're going to the Novus Ordo, that you go find a very good Lat- holy Latin parish. That's that's what I would say. Um, uh, the Fraternity of the Society of St. Peter is wonderful. Um, the um, uh, Institute of Christ the King's Sovereign Priest, uh, just magnificent. All over the world now they are. The Institute of... Uh, Jesus Christ, Sovereign Priest, absolutely wonderful. And many diocesan parishes, uh, many dioceses have fully Latin parishes, um, or at least Latin masses, if not a Latin parish. Uh, so you can, you can suggest that. If your friends don't go to a Latin mass now, that would be a way to suggest it. Um, you know, if if they go over to Eastern Orthodox, their sacraments will be valid, but they will not be in union with the Pope. And you can't leave Peter. You can't leave Peter. Are we having a great deal of problems with our present Holy Father? Is there a tremendous amount of confusion in the Church? All of that. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. So the Holy Father's having problems with us. Is there tremendous confusion? The answer is yes. But where Peter is, there is the church. And we don't leave Peter. If we do, we leave the church. And so you don't want to do that. Uh, the Catholic Church has 23 rites. And you can go nicely, well, to another rite, R-I-T-E-S, in the Catholic Church, R-I-T-E, rites, in the Catholic Church, 23 rites, um, uh, including the Anglican ordi- Ordinariate now that uh, was accepted under Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, um, the Byzantine rites, some are Catholic, some are Eastern, um, some are rather uh, from you know, the Orthodox Church. I would... Um, I would not go to the Orthodox. I would stay Catholic. I would stay Catholic. We have what no one has under the sun. And so tell your friends, um, if they haven't been to a Latin Mass, to do that. And then you can go to a Maronite rite. uh, All kinds of beautiful, beautiful rites in the church. Don't leave the church. Don't leave Peter. We have an email from Mary in Blasburg, Pennsylvania. Mother Miriam, what is the name of the article on Candlemas being compromised by the Protestant Revolution becoming Groundhog Day? I've never heard anything of this. Uh, Mary, this may have been, it wasn't on my program. I've never even heard of it. Um, and I never spoke on it. You you maybe have a, another program on the Station of the Cross where this was spoken of. And, and Mary writes, we are newly arrived in this Scranton, Pennsylvania diocese where the faith is very watered down. We are two and a half hours from the diocesan seat. 
there is a small group at one parish who are interested in the truths of the faith, and I'd like to be able to share that email. God bless you for all you do for us, and Holy Mother Church, Mary. I'm so sorry, Mary. You know, you might give the Station of the Cross a call and ask them what program that may have come from, but it definitely wasn't mine. This Sunday coming up is Candle Mass, the presentation of our Lord in the Temple and the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's three feasts in one on this Sunday. And for us at Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, it's our number one feast day, the presentation of our Lord in the Temple. Absolutely magnificent. Um, There's the music, beloved. Uh, for uh, our second break. And we'll be right back. And again, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483. Text at that number or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. If you're new to iCatholic Radio, welcome to the free mobile app of the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. It's available for download to your Android and Apple mobile devices. If you have any questions about your new app, please contact us at thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. That's thestationofthecross.com or 1-877-888-6279. Through your new app, you can listen to podcasts of shows, conference talks, and prayers. View our programming grid, call us directly, and check out our mobile website. You can even learn how you can promote iCatholic Radio in your community, connect with us through social media, and financially support the programming you love. That's all available on your iCatholic Radio mobile app. Thank you for joining our iCatholic Radio family, proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are here for another good 15 minutes 
and every minute is good that we have together, and you are welcome to call in. There's plenty of time. Uh, Toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Um, let me just see what happened here. I have to get up to your calls. Okay, here we go. We have a um, a question um, from Facebook uh, uh, by someone, um, his or her name, Dem, Demi maybe, D-E-M-E. Hello, Mother. I am an Orthodox Christian. Seriously consider converting to Catholicism. That's great. And am attending my first Latin Mass in a few weeks. I was wondering if I should not receive communion because I am not Catholic. I have always been told that I am allowed to receive communion by Catholic priests, but I want to make sure so I don't do the wrong thing. Thank you, Mother, and God bless. Well, God bless you for wanting to honor God by knowing what is truly true and doing the right thing. God bless you. You may receive the Eucharist from Catholic priests just as a Catholic can receive the Eucharist from Orthodox because both are valid sacraments. Both are valid sacraments. What the Church does say is that um, the, the occasion for an Orthodox receiving uh, the Eucharist from uh, the Catholic Church or reverse, Catholic receiving the, Orth- the Eucharist from the Orthodox, is if you are not able to get to your own church on that Sunday. That's the reason. So, um, as as much as you are looking into the Catholic Church, uh, of course, my heart is thrilled f- and f- for you and for that, and we will pray for you, Demi. Um, I would say no. If you're going to a Latin Mass, and that will prohibit you from also going to your church on Sunday, uh, then yes, if you cannot get to your own church to receive the Eucharist, um, then yes. Um, but if if you can, I would say go to your own church and then go to a Latin Mass and, and refrain from receiving the Eucharist. But again, uh, if you cannot do both, then you can receive the Eucharist from the Latin Mass. That's, that's what I understand the church teaches. Okay, dear one. Um, we have a Facebook question uh, from Joel. <clears throat> Mother, I just watched your video in which you explained that Catholics and Lutherans are not similar. Pope Francis said they were just recently. Do you know why he may have said that? What is he getting at? I think what Pope Francis is getting at I'm not in his mind or heart, but I think what he's getting at is uh, unity, a universal church, and universal everything, uh, one world government, one world everything, and one religion. That's what he seems to be getting at. Um, You can find similarities, but they're not similar. Um, Luther... Uh, taught that a faith alone is sufficient and you don't need works. That's not true. It's false. Uh, he taught uh, the Eucharist was not truly the body and blood of Christ. Um, he taught, I mentioned this uh, in that video, a consubstantiation rather than transubstantiation. Um, 
he said, consubstantiation, meaning that Christ comes with the bread, but the bread does not become Christ. Um, he, again, threw out the books of the Bible, and, and he began Protestantism. He began the revolt against the Catholic Church. Um, oh, my goodness. And, and the um, so many things... Uh, he 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 did have a devotion to the Blessed Mother. Um, he himself prayed the Rosary, but he uh, began to make up different words for it because Hail Mary bothered him. Um, there's so I, I'd have to look it up online. There's so many differences. You know, there's a um, a wonderful book by um, um, oh my goodness, a journey's home, a journey home. International, I think it is. Um, C-H-N. Oh, how can I not remember? This is terrible. Um, it's the website of Martin Mar, uh, Marcus Grodi, who has Journeys Home on EWTN. Coming Home Network. I'm glad I remembered the initial. Coming Home Network International. And... Um, uh, Marcus has done an entire program, a roundtable program, on the journey home with Lutherans who became Catholic. And the whole thing was the difference between Lutheranism and Catholicism. He also has produced a book, that is, the stories only of Lutherans who became Catholic. So there's many, many resources. But I think what Pope... Francis is getting at is that we need to find the similarities and not the differences between us so that we're all one. That's really a very good intent. But when it comes to doctrine, we cannot compromise. And you may know that Pope Francis has given the Eucharist to Lutherans, and that is, um, uh, it's, it's not acceptable at all. He's the Pope, but no human being Uh, can change doctrine. And if we are not Catholic, then we receive the Eucharist unworthily, and it is a very, very grave sin. So um, uh, these, as I said earlier, these are confusing times, and we must know our faith. We have a Facebook question again from Juliana. Lots of questions from Facebook. That's wonderful. Juliana says, Mother, some friends of mine who have borrowed money from me to make ends meet are not paying me back even though the ends seem to have been met. They seem to be doing well now. And even though I politely remind them, they just come up with a new story every day. What should I do? Oh, that's a rough one. I want to be charitable, but when I see them out for dinner and they haven't paid me back, I start to question whether a little righteous indignation might be necessary. Um, The strongest thing I would say to them, Juliana, is that um, you could say, uh, dear friends, if you have the money to go out to dinner, I don't want to deprive you, it's not a sin to go out to dinner, um, but you you choose that over uh, making dinner at home and paying me back even in in increments. Uh, that's theft. That is theft. You borrowed it because you were in need. You're not in need now. 
um, not in the way you were, and it's time to give it back. If not, you're stealing, which is a very grave sin. So that's what you could say to them. Uh, but Juliana, I want to tell you this. Whenever I give money to people who need it, now if I'm just giving money to the poor, that's another matter. But I could be giving money to friends. They want to buy a house. They want to pay it back. Or they want to do this. They want to go on vacation. Uh, they want to go overseas. They don't have the flight money. They want, of course, they'll pay it back within six months, all of that. When I give it to them, I give the way the scripture says to give freely. And I don't expect it back. Um, there's nothing wrong with loaning money as long as you don't charge interest. Uh, there's nothing wrong with loaning money. But you, you need to be able to give it freely. And whatever we give, we give freely. If we get it back, that's good. If we don't get it back, we have to let it go and say, Lord, they needed it more than we do, even if their life is corrupt. You see, um, uh, there was something in there that God allowed that to happen. And hopefully their conscience will, uh, the Holy Spirit will um, enlighten them but um, that's the only way to loan money otherwise you're going to wind up with an ulcer um, just give it to them don't give it to them don't loan money if you cannot do without it if you loan money to someone it could be a quarter it could be a hundred dollars could be a five dollar bill it could be uh, half a million if you loan money to someone make sure you don't need it back you're giving it to god to them, you're giving it to God by giving it to them, so that if you never get it back, it will not be a hardship for you. You're just taking the loss. It's the only way to give freely and to be at peace. If they give it to you back, blessed be God. But if they don't, there's no bitterness. Uh, you're not poor. All of that. Okay, so that's what I would say, dear one. Um Okay, let me go further here. We do have a call from Kurt in Massachusetts. Hello, Kurt. How are you, Mother Miriam? How you uh, doing? Uh, hi. Hi again. I know I've, you've called in before, my dear brother. Oh, yeah. From one convert to another, right? Yes, I love your voice. God bless you, Kurt. What's your question, my uh, dear one? Well, somebody was just speaking to you how he had friends that were kind of upset with the Novus Ordo and everything else. And, you know, myself, I used to get so stuck with it. I used to think it was invalid because I had priests telling me, but I go exclusively to the Novus Ordo because, like I tell all my traditional friends, it is the same Lord on both altars. That's Just right. The, the, the traditional Mass does more of the outward appearance of 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 um, being more honored to that. But I always tell people, I say, look, you want to show reverence? Get on your knees and receive them on the tongue. I do that all the time. Good for you. I make, sure, I make sure I'm the last person. You know, but the whole idea is you have to make present the Lord. So why not do it in your actions at such a mass where they've taken out the outward reverence? So we as Catholics should be showing our reverence. Like my grandkids, I raised one grandson. The other grandson, I said, listen, you receive him on the tongue from the priest. Okay, don't question it. Just believe me. So, you know, as usual, I'm stuck with a lot of other things. But um, I just wanted to bring that point up because of my own scrupulosity, I tend to start wavering and then I'm not going to go back to that. That's the truth. 
That's it, pure and simple, because I tell people, the only salvation on this planet that is visible is the Holy Roman Catholic Church, outside of which there's no other means to be saved. You're right in all of that, Kurt. Um, but you're very right. Um, and there are also very reverent Novus Ordo Masses. I've been to them. Oh, but same Yes, but... Um, most people's experiences, it, they lack a great deal of reverence in, in everything they do and a lot of what they do. Uh, I don't want to Mother point Miriam. a lot of things out right now. And right. Uh, it's not just an outward show with the Latin Mass. Um, no, I'm not saying it is. Can I say one more thing, though? Sure. At Vatican II, this is what I say. They couldn't change what the church teaches infallibly. They could only relax the discipline. And just like Thomas, who doubted our Lord, he says, blessed are they who believe and don't see. Meaning, I think, if you have reverence, fine. Because I even said, I even say this, the devil knows perfect Latin and he's in hell because he doesn't want to serve. So I think the devil's backdoor message is to always take away the discipline, relax it. And what they don't realize in the faithful and all of us is that that relaxation came from the original sin itself. So that's why I believe, yes, you need outward discipline and you need the word said in a proper fashion in, in the way everything is performed. But as long as the Canaan of the mass is, this is my body, this is my blood. It is made present because those priests are validly ordained. That Kurt, is correct. Right? Your grandson doesn't know what you know. And if you say to him, receive on the tongue oh, no. and don't question it, that's one thing. But you see, he needs to know why. And everyone needs to know that that's the norm. That's not an exception. That's not what traditionalists do. That's what we're all to do, uh, although we have the option to receive on the hand. And my point is that when you relax the discipline, there's a lot of other differences. But when you relax the discipline and you don't show reverence and you don't show the meaning behind things... um, then you don't teach the people. And they come to church half naked, and they sing, and they clap, and they have guitars, yeah. and, you know, all yeah. of that. It's, it's an abomination, truly, to a heart. So you understand that, and you can work through it, but it's not raising the people and bringing them to God. They chew gum on their way up to receive the Eucharist because they don't know. And when you have a reverent right. Mass that's properly celebrated... The people are taught through it and brought to God. And they know there's something greater than them there. Right, because that's why I receive the way I do, to show other people the same thing. Well, but the Mass needs to show them that, the way it's celebrated. There's our music, dear Kurt. God bless all of you, and have a wonderful weekend.